0: all right well we've been um, we've been looking in first John about uh developing a you know a, a close walk with the lord and and um as we've been going through it, we've been looking at all these different images of walking with him, what it looks like to walk in the light and and then we came across where where he said uh verse fifteen do not love the world or the things of the world so john now is is presenting the biggest greatest challenge to our walking with God. Remember, the whole book is this invitation to walk with God. He says, you know, we walk with God, it's great, so I want you guys to walk with God. He wants to walk with you. It's this great invitation. And, and, and he says there's a problem, though. Worldliness is a big problem. And so today what we're going to look at, verses 15 through 17, is the character of worldliness, which we could describe as rebellion. Rebellion. That would be the, the most simple way to describe worldliness. Um, it, it doesn't mean you don't believe in technology and electricity, and we're not Amish. You know, They believe that's the definition of worldliness, is anything that's comfortable and anything that's technological, and, and that's not the definition. We're going to have John define it for us today. It's certainly not electricity. <laughs> yes, thank goodness. It's not any of that. It is rebellion. So he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And last week, we didn't get any further than that. We just stopped right there and we prayed for an hour on that verse and other verses related to it. But that verse was what we prayed on, that our hearts would begin to be freed from a love of rebellion. Verse 16. For all that is in the world. So now he's going to describe all that is in the world. He's going to give us a complete definition here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the fa- not of the Father, but is of the world. That word of there means sourced. It's not sourced from God. It is sourced from God the world the world has chosen rebellion against god's will right ever since adam and eve chose to rebel in the garden of eden it has been the the default setting on all of our operating systems nerd joke not nerd joke nerd illustration (laughs) a nerdstration if you will thank you that's nice yeah, the, we've just all been born with this virus of, we love to rebel against God's will. But it's it can be tricky. But here we're going to have it, it kind of explained to us. Uh, he says, all that is in the world, and it describes the character of the world's rebellion. And he says, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life is the easiest way to describe it. Now, we say that quickly. We've all heard that many, many times. But I want us to slow down. Lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I mean, we, we can just rattle that off our tongue. What is the character? Oh, lust of the flesh. We, we all got those words, but what do those words really mean? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Well, they are deceptions, and that means that they seem right to our natural mind. Why? Because that's the default operating system we're born with. Oh, I, I see how this works, okay? but they actually don't accomplish what they seem like they would accomplish in our lives. Um, Now, what we're going to do is we're going to connect these three ideas, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, with two other stories in the Bible. And we're going to see that they line up seamlessly, perfectly, amazingly. They relate to Adam and Eve in the garden and the temptation that they went through. Okay? Okay and they also directly relate with Jesus in the desert and his temptation and you guys probably have looked at this in your life before but we're going to dive into it again so the first one the lust of the flesh what this what when you guys hear the lust of the flesh i want you to think self sufficiency the lust of the flesh self sufficiency Now, when we say lust of the flesh in English, you know what we think about? Sometimes food, sometimes um, sexual things, any of those things. But I want you to think first self-sufficiency, control, independence, something that can satisfy your hunger that is not God. You have a hunger for this, to be independent. And that comes out in, in sexual pleasures. That comes out in in food. It, 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 we enjoy these things like without limit because we want to be in control of how much we eat. We want to be in control of who we look at and lust over. It, it, the root issue is self-sufficiency and self-independence, this desire for something other than God. And, um, and so the question that goes along with this is, how, why does he deny me fun things? lust of the flesh. Why does he deny me fun things? When we think that, that's the, that's the natural way our mind thinks. That's the lust of the flesh. And that's how, the, how he first defines this worldly rebellion. Why does he deny... Was God denying Adam and Eve fun things? No, he literally created fun things for them to do. <laughs> no, he, he wants people to have fun. Having fun is not lust of the flesh. All right, so the lust of the flesh. Why does he deny me... Fun things. When we have that heart, when our heart starts asking that question, and it does, just know that that's, that's a worldly, rebellious response. That's a flesh response. Okay? Secondly, the lust of the eyes. We're going we're gonna to connect these to the other stories in a minute, but I want to talk about them first. Secondly, lust of the eyes. And the way I want you to think about this is I see another way besides what God said. I see Another way besides what God said. The first one is lust of the flesh. Why does he deny me some fun things? And I want you to think self-sufficiency. Flesh. You're, you're, you're powering it by your flesh. Lust of the flesh. Second way, I lust of the eyes. I see another way besides what God said. Um, this other way pleases me more than his way. It seems more exciting to me. It makes more sense to me. I deserve to choose my own path. And the question that goes along with this one, if the first question was, why does he deny me fun things, lust of the flesh? The second one is, why is he always right? Why can't I be right sometimes? Why do I have to do things his way? I want to walk by sight and not by faith. Does that make sense? That Now, when we say it like that, wow, I think that way a lot. I have that temptation a lot to live by what I see and not by, and it's flesh. It's flesh. It's a worldly, rebellious response, and that's sometimes shocking to me. But my spirit bears witness when I walk in the spirit No, I don't choose what's right. I don't get to choose. All right, so third one, the pride of life. This is the the desire to be worshipped. The desire to be worshipped. Pride is look at me, look how great I am, look at how smart or how strong or how sufficient I am. And I don't need anybody and I don't need anything. I am great, I am neat. And the question that goes along with this is, aren't I neat? Aren't I cool? I think I'm pretty cool. Okay, this is the pride of life. So we've kind of established the three. The lust of the flesh being the other things that satisfy me and excite me besides God. And why does he keep everything from me? Lost of the eyes, I see another way besides what he said. And why, does he, why is he always right? And then the third is the pride of life, the desire to be worshipped, the pride. I am cool. Aren't I cool? Aren't I great? Those are the three. Okay? Now these three combine to describe what rebellion is. how it is born in the heart and how it gestates in the soul and then is born into sinful thoughts, actions, and behaviors. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read you the first six verses. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman, when the woman saw, this is the important verse that links this to what we just read, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, number one, that it was pleasant to the eyes, number two, and uh, she took of the fruit and ate, and the tree was desirable to make her wise, number three, then she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave with her husband, and he ate. Okay. Nailed Nailed all three. First one, lust of the flesh was good for food. It was Fun. It was satisfying. Something besides God was desirable and satisfying to her. Do you see how it lines up right there? Second one. What, what, and go back to that first one. Why does he doesn't he want me to have any fun? This tree is good for food. God's a fun hater. Okay, it, you can see how the it's already born in her heart. It's all, of, she's, she's fully a sinner at this point. It's already done in her heart. Number two, it's just coming out her mouth. What's in the heart comes out the mouth, right? Okay. It gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully conceived, it brings forth death. So when, once that choice is made, once the action is done, the fall happens. But I, I know what you're thinking. Anyway, number two. It was, she saw that this tree was pleasant to the eyes. I see another way besides what God has said. God said, do this, but I see with my eyes. I like to walk by sight and not by faith. I could have walked by faith in what God said, but I'm choosing instead to walk by sight in what I see. I see another way. So you can remember that now. Number three. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So now she's all of a sudden concerned about her reputation, about other people thinking she's wise. There's only one other person on the world at this point. And it's her husband. He already thinks she's the hottest person around and the coolest person around. He's never met anyone as cool as her. Why is she concerned? Because pride has already been born. And pride is the beginning of this rebellion against God. So aren't i cool well i could be more cool if i rebel more isn't it funny how smoking commercials as they as you remember back to when they had them on tv they made them they made people look cool and and they they highlighted the rebellion nobody can tell me what to do well that's rebellion against authority now, that's in a microcosm, and we're talking big, grand, entire human race thing, but it still is the same. That's right. No man's going to tell me how to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> the expectant mother. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. Okay, well. Turn now to Matthew 4, and we'll see these 10 verses about Jesus and how he not only faces the same temptation to rebel. Rebellion is the key, okay? If if Satan can get Jesus to rebel, then he wins. Nothing else matters. Then, then Jesus is just a rebel like all the other people. Jesus deserves to go to hell like all the other people, and Jesus cannot redeem or save anybody. His death will be pointless and worthless if he is a rebel, if he rebels, if he's tarnished by sin. All right, well, Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, why, why would he do such a thing? Fast. What? God wanted him to, but why would Jesus fast besides that? <laughs> he's tired of taking it slow. That's that's funny. Thank you. I appreciate that. What? He's denying the flesh. Okay. So he's building up his spirit in the Lord. He's convincing his, his own soul of how much he needs the Lord. I, I need the Lord so much I don't have time to eat or desire really to even eat because I need the strength of my spirit. And afterward, he was hungry, of course. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Well, bread is food and bread satisfies the flesh. So right now, Satan is coming in. This is the lust of the flesh. Hey, you don't really need God anymore. You just gave him 40 days. You need something else. You need something else. Something else will satisfy you. You know what would satisfy you? Bread. Bread would satisfy you. And he says, if you're the son of God, command these stones, become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus does an amazing job of rebuking Satan and Satan's Satan's attack. And also, he's teaching us how we can do the same thing. He's saying, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. But you're going to die without bread. I don't care. I don't care. I do not need anything Except the word of the Lord, that's all that I need. Now, if Eve would have thought the same thing, we wouldn't be in this big mess, would we? (laughs) No, Eve would have said, "You know what? uh, Yes, though it looks like good fruit, but the Lord said, and I'm just going to go with what the Lord said, even though it doesn't seem that way to me. I'm just going to go with what He said. I'm going to trust Him." Wouldn't have been that, okay? Jesus here he explain he's teaching us and explaining to us how to have victory over this first temptation, the first rebellion. And and this is really important for each one of us, because of how no matter how experienced you are with the Lord, Satan is not going to stop tempting you. He's gonna he still wants you to become um fruitless in your life and waste the rest of your life, no matter how much time you have. By joining him in rebellion. So, command that these stones become bread. I mean, if Jesus dies, is he going to be able to accomplish his mission? No. He has to He has to fulfill all the prophecies. It has to be at a certain time. It's got to be in Jerusalem. I mean, but Jesus, he says, yes, I agree. If I die, I'm going to have to trust in the Lord. But I'm going to listen to the, what the word of the Lord said. All right. So when we get when we ask that first question, what was the question associated with the first one? The lust of the flesh? Why does he deny me fun things? If we could answer in our heart and say, His word is fun, his word is the joy of my life, his word, word is the most exciting thing to me, we have victory. His promises. Oh my goodness, his promises are wonderful and varied in how all that he promises us, but we care very little to look at them and to depend on them and to trust in them when we can have fun doing other things. All right, number two. Then the devil took him up onto the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Hmm. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. On the the pinnacle of the temple, who could see him? Everybody and and satan here he's saying you know what there's another way that you can accomplish getting everybody to like you why don't you just show everybody there's a reason satan took him to the temple he didn't take him to a high mountain for this he took him to the temple because jesus loved who everybody but the jews and the jews hated him at this point and the jews were rejecting him and satan's saying hey they would love you if you just did this miracle, but God had told Jesus the way he needed to do things through humility, not drawing attention to himself, not calling not uh convincing people through um, plays on their emotions. He wanted people to make an honest, true decision for him, and so he he, he the devil is saying. Don't you see another way that you could accomplish this mission? And this is a real temptation for Jesus. we got to think, why was this a temptation for Jesus? Because Jesus loved these people. And if he would have done it, maybe they would love him. Maybe they all would have loved him. And so this draw to love. But Jesus... He says, no, I'm not going to do it that way because he knows if he does something outside of the Father's will that it tarnishes it all. It it unpurifies it all. And he refuses to do such a thing. He says, what's again his response? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. I'm not going to try to change God. God's ways are higher than my ways, and I trust his ways. The temptation is, I see another way, and the way out of it is, I'm not going to try to change God. God's right, and I'm not. No matter what I see, I still need to trust his word. No matter what it looks like, I'm going to trust in what he says. Number three. Again, the devil took him up an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory and said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So here again, Satan is playing on his love for the people, his love for the entire world, and he says, that, you don't have to do it that way. All you have to do is worship me, and I can give them to you. He's basically bargaining. He's playing poker and saying, I'll give you all the people in the world if you just let me go, if you just worship me. But Jesus is saying, nope, uh, I, I don't have a desire to be worshiped. I want to worship the Father. Um. The, the pride of life, temptation we saw, this rebellion, is to say, I'm great, I look at me, look at how great I am, and that's exactly how Satan tempts Jesus. He says, uh, all these people will worship you, and you can have all the people worshiping you, all you have to do is fall down and worship me. That's his offer. He he's just falls right in line with that third temptation. And Jesus' responds very shrewdly says, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You worship God only, and him only, so you serve. So if Jesus had this desire to be worshipped above God, it would have ruined everything. Now, he receives worship, and he, because it's right, he deserves worship. It's a good thing for him to be worshipped. But he's showing us how, to be guarded he also became a man. And in that, he says, I'm gonna worship God as every man should worship God. I'm gonna show you guys how to not be rebellious like the rest of mankind. Like well, your your programming operating system is to rebel against God. Well, I'm gonna show you how you cannot. And again, all three of them we know are based on the Word of God. The responses are all based on the Word of God, knowing the Word of God. So like you guys are out here on a Wednesday night studying the Word. Good job. That's what we need. So there we go. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is the character of worldliness, and that's the greatest threat to our walking with God hand in hand, to to our daily walk with the Lord. It's these rebellious little temptations that the Lord's going to put into our life. Amen? Amen.